Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. More persecution, more growth. Do you get it? The church was being persecuted, the leaders were being beaten, but the people could celebrate because every day they kept teaching the word of God, and everywhere they went, God was at work 24-7. His life was being changed in them, they were changing life, they were empowered, people's lives were being changed, and it was infectious in spite of persecution. It may seem to be a strange church growth strategy, but God's ways are not our ways. The more the early church was persecuted, the more they grew. Even in other countries today where churches are persecuted, they're thriving underground. In today's message, Pastor Mark shares about an unwelcome at times, but very important growth strategy for the church, persecution. There's something about trials and persecution that causes the church to flourish. In spite of persecution, God works, people are saved, and the gospel is preached. It was true then, and it's true today. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew with his continuing study entitled, Why Church? Celebrate and Live the Fulfilling Lifestyle. You know, I'd like to be able to take a football and throw that sucker from the 20-yard line into the end zone of the other team and hit the guy full speed. I have that desire. Maybe in heaven, because I don't have the power to do it. We already learned that God lives in me and he lives in you. So he gives me the desire and he gives me the power And that's why, listen, that's why I can celebrate. Because it's happening. Next, number three. As I begin to walk the talk, it shows that true belief in conversion leads to a changed lifestyle. There's something different. Number three, celebrate. God has arranged testing and trials to make you more like Jesus. Now, to be very honest with you, if I was directing my life, um, I'm not going to choose this pattern. I'm not going to choose this pattern. Celebrate. God has arranged testing and trials to make you more like Jesus. Look at James. Your brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. In other words, celebrate. Pastor Mark, are you kidding me? When God brings a trial, I'm supposed to celebrate? Yes. Why? Because God knows how to mature me. He allows things to come into my life. Look at verse 3. For when your faith is tested, by the way, just remember this. You'll hear me say it many times over the next few years. Faith that is not tested can't be trusted. Faith that is not tested 
can't be trusted. Notice he says, for when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be strong in character and ready for anything. That's what God's doing in my life. Because I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And when this persecution comes, it makes me strong. See, Paul many times made plans. You and I need to make plans. We involve God in them. He made plans. But quite often, God changed his plans. And he didn't do what Paul wanted. Now, how did Paul react? (laughs) No. Paul said, no big deal. I go with God. Remember once Paul said, I have this thorn in the flesh. And there's all kind of debate about what that is. So he prayed to God to take it away three times. You know what God's answer was? No. My grace is sufficient for you. How did Paul act? (laughs) No. He said, it's okay. He'd learned that what God was doing in him was greater than what he could kind of plan and work for his own life. Trust him. We sang a song about that today. Celebrate this morning when you're in the middle of a trial. Maybe you're in one right now today. You're in trouble. I just want to remind you that God's at work in you. And he will make you strong and bold as we change the world for him. Number four. Turn back with him to Matthew chapter 16, if you will. Matthew chapter 16. You were there. We get the second hindrance to following him. The first was, I don't want to let go of my life. In Matthew 16, Jesus says it like this, verse 26. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Our fourth celebrate this morning is this one. Celebrate. Learning to be content brings a rewarding lifestyle. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, here's a hindrance. You have in you, all of us have it this morning, this desire, this, this temptation of accumulating stuff and money and possessions and power. Notice what Jesus says in that verse 26. He says, it's irrational. This is stupid. Let's say I spend my whole life trying to get the whole world, to own the whole world. Power, number one, number one in the world, got everything. By the way, it can't happen, but let's say I achieved it. Jesus says the next thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to die at some point, and you're going to leave it all behind, every single bit of it you leave behind. And then you go to eternity without a relationship with God. Jesus says, what good is it? That's irrational. doesn't even make common sense. Well, how do I diffuse that drive? By the way, having stuff isn't bad. The Bible tells us that he gives us all things richly to enjoy. Well, how do I diffuse that drive to be rich and to make money and to be powerful and to learn? How do I do it? One word, contentment. Paul says this in Philippians. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to get along happily whether I have much or little. Notice, when you became a Christian and put on Christ, that didn't come to you automatic. Paul said, I've learned. Well, how did he learn to get along with nothing? Because he lived with nothing. We'll have a hard time with that because we don't live with nothing. 
That's why I encourage you to go on a missionary trip because you'll kind of live with nothing as you go there. So he says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. See, the older I get, the more I understand this. I can be content. I know God's plan for me and for us is good. You see, as you think about all of that happening in your life, it's no problem. Just relax. Allow God to change your life. The older I get, the more I know I don't have to be anxious. I can just be content. You know where I really learned that? There's been lots of times of celebration in my life, many. I remember passing the pharmacy exams, the state boards, three days of state boards back in 66. And when I got the news that I passed, did this boy celebrate? Yes. And then I found out when I moved to Florida, I had to take them again because they didn't reciprocate. And I celebrated twice. I celebrated, Linda and I did on our honeymoon. We flew from Michigan down here. That was a blessing in itself. Drove a little Volkswagen around for three weeks. It was incredible. But you know where I learned to be content? I don't have it all down, but I'm working pretty good at it. When I woke up eight and a half years ago after having open heart surgery, when I woke up, I knew that God wasn't finished with me yet. See, I was ready to go. I didn't know what would happen on the table. But I knew that he had plans for me. God has plans for you. Doesn't matter what happens in life. Doesn't matter when you die. You just get in the center of his will and go for it. All kind of trouble will come, but he's building your character. And as he does that, you're going to have to learn not to just run to and fro and be crazy. Paul said, I've learned to be content whether I had lots or nothing. That's why I can celebrate. It has nothing to do with the lots or nothing. What I have is the assurance that when I die, I'm going to heaven. That's worth everything. Turn with me to Acts 5 quick. We're going to take a little quick tour. I want you to see in the early church how these principles worked out. How these principles actually worked out. When you get to Acts chapter 5, scooting down to verse 29, let me give you a little uh, introduction on what's happening The disciples have, the apostles have taken it to the streets. They're ministering. Their lives are being changed. People's lives are being changed. People are coming to Christ. People are healed. The Jewish religious leaders hate it. They're jealous. They have all of the apostles arrested. They put them in jail. That night, an angel comes and lets them all out. And the angel says this to them. Tomorrow morning, take it back to the streets. Take the message of Jesus back to the streets. So they're not fearful. They actually do that. The very next morning, these apostles who had been in jail the night before take it to the streets. They're witnessing. The Jewish leaders send to the jailer to bring the guys here. The jailer says, they're not here. What do you mean they're not here? Well, they're gone. The the cells are empty. Somebody else comes and says, I wish I was here. Somebody else comes and says to the Jewish leaders, they're on the streets again. So they go get him, and they say to him in this confrontation, do not talk about Jesus Christ. Cut it out. Look at verse 29. Peter and the other other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. 
That's a picture of celebration. Why? Remember our first celebration? It's no longer about you. It's about doing God's will. Now, they probably would have said the night before, if the angel said, you're free, they went, let's go somewhere else. This is crazy. But the angel said, no, 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 no. God's will for you tomorrow is go back to the same place and talk again. You get on the streets and talk about me. So they do. When they're confronted, they go, hey, we're not answering to you. We're answering to God. And as they do that, they fulfill it. And by the way, they celebrate. Well, in the next two or three verses, Peter gives this incredible uh, witness about Jesus' burial, death, resurrection. Look in verse 33. The Jewish leaders, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. And then he addressed them. So the apostles are put outside. He says, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Some time ago, Thudius appeared, claiming to be a somebody. By the way, if you think you're a somebody, you're a nobody. He claimed to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied around him. Well, he was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. So what is this, what is this wise Pharisee doing? He's saying this. You know, there's Jesus with his followers. We've seen this before. What are you getting so upset about? Here's a guy who came, had 400 rulers, uh, leaders, uh, workers. He became the leader. And when he died, the whole thing, what? Into nothing. He says, he goes on. Here's case number two. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. In other words, it came to nothing. He says this, therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin... It will fail. But it's from God. If it is, you will not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourself fighting against God. Now, why can I celebrate there? Why could the apostles celebrate there? That was great wisdom. Why could they celebrate? Because of this. When Jesus came, all you saw was two leaders of bands of men that came and they died. And everything went to nothing. To Peter and the apostles, did they have a leader that died? Did they? Yeah, who was that? Jesus. But there's one difference. Three days later, he rose. And then Jesus said this, the gates of hell will never defeat the church. Are they worried that the church is going to come to nothing? No. It's time to celebrate. By the way, are you worried this morning that the church is going to fail? Don't worry. Don't be worried. It will never fail. We're on the winning team. If you're a Christian, you're going to heaven. Well, look at verse 40. He persuaded them. They called the apostles in and said, bye-bye. Is that true? No, they called them in and then did what? Flogged them. And they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's no name under heaven whereby a man may be saved. And they let them go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin after they'd been beaten. (laughs) Take a look at that verse. The apostles left the Sanhedrin doing what? Here we go. Celebrating. You gotta be kidding me. No, trials do what? They build character. They'd just been beaten. They were like Jesus. When we get in situations that are difficult, we have to be at ease, content, Were they content? Yes, they knew it was the will of God. So they left rejoicing. 
They celebrated. Look what happens. And day after day in the temple courts, verse 42, from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Now look at verse 1, chapter 6. In those days, the number of disciples was plummeting. Is that right? What was it doing? Why? More persecution, more growth. Do you get it? The church was being persecuted, the leaders were being beaten, but the people could celebrate because every day they kept teaching the word of God, and everywhere they went, God was at work 24-7. His life was being changed in them, they were changing life, they were empowered, people's lives were being changed, and it was infectious in spite of persecution. Number five, last key, celebrate Your soul is worth more than anything. Jesus reminded his disciples that the most important reason to celebrate over all the rest and the reason they would continue to share the gospel was that the most valuable thing of a person was their soul. What is the most valuable thing you own? Is it your house? Is it your 401k, your business, your health, your family? Maybe it's a relationship with a young lady or a young man. Jesus said, no, 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 that's not valuable. It's fine, but it's not valuable. The most valuable thing you have is your soul, the real part of you. You see, when you die, your body goes into the ground, but the most important thing, your soul, will stand before God, either as a Christian, accepted the Lord, a follower of Jesus Christ, or to be judged because you didn't do that. Do you know, today, Jesus said it like this. How do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? That's a question that always has the answer, no. But if a person refuses to become a follower of Jesus then something in their life is worth more. And you know what it always is? Self. If we could open the windows of heaven and you could see what's going to happen when you die, if you could see the reality of it, we would never, ever answer this question like, well, I, I mean, what is really valuable? Do you know that your neighbor has a soul? Your co-worker has a soul. The student you're with in the chemistry class, the third hour, they have a soul. Is there anything more valuable than that? No. In the Bible, you don't need to turn there. In Luke 15, let me give you the scenario. Jesus gives us this story. There's a son, and he goes to his dad, and he says, Dad, I, I want to go do my thing. And the father says, fine. He says, I want all my inheritance. And the father gave him everything. And the son just went off and began to do his deal. After a little while, he'd spent all the money, came to a dead end, found himself, actually, the Bible says, sitting at a pig pen. For a Jewish person, that's interesting. And he was eating with the pigs. And the Bible said this, when he came to the, that place, He came to his senses and he said, what in the world am I doing here? He said, I know what I'll do. 
I'll get up. I'll go back to my dad. Now, I know it's not going to be too good when I go home because I've blown everything. He's going to look at me and go, what in the world? Told you so. But I'm going to go back to him. At least I can be a servant. And being a servant and having food and clean clothes and a place to stay is way better than what I've done with my life. So the Bible says that he came to his senses, arose, and went back. Let me read you. He said, Father, he says, when I go there, he's going to say, Father, I've sinned against you. Watch what happened. So he returned home to his father, and while while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Now, how did that happen? Here's why. Because the father was always looking for his son to return. The son would never have believed that. My dad's angry. He didn't deserve to come home, but the father had always been looking for him. He says, when he was a long distance away, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, quick, Bring out the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, kill the calf we've been fattening in the pen, for we must, we must celebrate with a feast. Why? Listen to this. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but he now is found. So... The party began. Two things before we close. Many of you have sons, daughters, uncles, aunts, wives, husbands that are prodigals. They're away from God. You can't bring them to God, but God can open their eyes so that they will come to their senses. Second, by the way, do you think God can do that? Do you know where the father is right now? That's what he's doing. Second, notice what this man said. He said, my son had been dead, but now he's alive. Some of you can't celebrate because this is who you are. You've never, ever said to God, I'm sorry for my sins. I want to turn my life over to you. I desire today to follow you. You've never done it. And so you can't celebrate. You can't because you've messed up your life. It's time to turn around and come home. It's time to say, I'm tired of this life. You say, I haven't messed up my life. Oh, yes, you have. You know it. You can party, but you can't really party. Only Christians can really party. And that's because their sins have been forgiven. To celebrate. It means to make happy, to make joyful, to party. The Christian life should be one of celebration. In today's message, Pastor Mark taught us again why this is so. As Christians, we find our contentment in Christ, and as we do so, we live a more fulfilling life. The apostles were beaten and threatened, and yet they found their contentment in Christ. There's great fulfillment in knowing that, just as the old hymn says, It is well with my soul. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Why is the world turning to other people and places to find love, comfort, and answers to life's questions? It's because the church has not been doing her job. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark challenges us with the thought that it's not enough to be merely committed to the church and to Christ. We must be connected to the people of the church. In fact, if we will not connect, we will not stay committed. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear Your